Welcome to Now Tell Us. And I'm your host, Anthony Moirore. And uh, I believe we are going to have a great time today uh, at Now Tell Us because we have someone who is going to come and tell us stories. Don't you love stories? I do. And uh, so I won't uh, spend one more minute here because uh, we want to hear the story. So I'm going to bring into the show right away Miss V, the storyteller. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, and we are glad that you've come to this show to tell us stories. But uh, before we get started, uh, Miss V, the storyteller, tell us, I mean, <laughs> what, what's your name and uh, where you come from? Well, my name is Valeria, and people <laughs> mess it up. So I go by Miss V, a friend of mine start calling me Miss V and I'm like, I kind of like it. And I used to teach school. So my students struggle. I had the little ones and they struggle with my name. So I allowed them to call me Miss V so that it kind of stuck with me. Um, I live in the United States. I'm from, I'm from Virginia and um, I am just so excited to be here to share my story with you guys. Mm, and we are glad to have you here now. That made it easier for me not to say, okay, let's stop. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I do it all the time. It's okay. Just go with the letter V. This okay, V, Ms. v. We're good. There you the go. Perfect. <laughs> yes, and we are saying get your voice back. And uh, since you're a storyteller, you tell us what's behind get your voice back. Well, when I was about six years old, um, my family dynamics were different. Well, I shouldn't say different. Mm -hmm. My family dynamics were to a point where I made a decision as a six-year-old to stop talking. My mm. thought was, if I stop talking, I won't get in trouble. My dad won't yell so much and it'll be more peaceful. Well, and that's exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that decision carried on until I was 23. So I went through all those years of not really talking. If someone says something to me, I may say something back. Um, but for the most part, I would never start a conversation. And mm -hmm. if I was in a room full of people, I was the quietest one sitting over like a little mouse, just quiet. But it got so bad in my home, my father thought something was wrong with my ears. So he had my mom to take me to have my ears checked. And the morning of the appointment, my father called the house and told my mother to put me on the phone. When she put me on the phone, he said, if nothing is wrong with your ears, I'm going to wear your ass out when I get home. That's what he said. Now, I wasn't a dumb child. When I went to that doctor's appointment, I didn't hear nothing. And my ears were perfect. But just the fear of getting my butt toe up. I didn't hear a thing. <laughs> the doctor gave my mom some medication to put in my ears. When my dad came home, I made sure he saw that medication to save me from getting my butt whipped. But my family, they didn't really, my parents didn't really know how to handle me. You know, they didn't really know how to deal with the child that's not talking. I was, I'm number three out of four. And I'm the only one that came into the world fluffy. And I use the word fluffy and not fat because I hate that word. So I came into where everybody else was skinny rails and, you know, and I just had a really difficult time. And being that my parents didn't know how to deal with me, it didn't make things better. Mm -hmm. And then when my parents separated, 
I had like a whole nother level of things. Now I am in a situation where it's a single mom and she's struggling and I'm going to a new school and I go to a new school and I'm not talking. And some of the kids found out that, you know, I didn't talk. Mm -hmm. And during that time, the school that I went to was predominantly white. It wasn't a lot of me in there. And the, the ones that were like me, when two of them found out that I didn't talk, they began picking on me. They wanted to make me their slave. And anytime they wanted something done, they made me do it because I didn't defend myself. I didn't feel like what I had to say was important. It was no need of talking. And luckily for me, my teacher, she was African-American. Mm -hmm. And she was tired of watching the dynamics between me and those two other girls who were black. Mm -hmm. She was in the hallway one day and she laid into us. She told them that I was not their slave and I was not going to do anything else for them. They were going to do it for themselves. And then she looked at me and told me to open my mouth. I needed to speak up for myself. And I mean, I was grateful because the girls did stop picking on me, mm -hmm. but it make me talk it, it it that was it it didn't make me talk so i went on through middle school and high school and i just wouldn't talk mm -hmm. so then i became a christian and i had had enough i was tired of people picking on me when i was in high school i got bullied this guy this dude he kept ramming me into the locker every day until it got to the point where my mom had to call the school and threaten she told the principal if the child puts his hands on my child one more time that she was going to put her hands on him or she was going to mm -hmm. come up to school and he did not want that so you know my mom talked to them and then uh, they talked to the teacher and luckily my teacher saved my life one day. Mm -hmm. He was in the midst of trying to kill me. That's what I felt because he was ramming me into the locker and threatening me. And my teacher, he saved me. He came in the hall and he saw what the boy was doing to me and he stopped it. And that was like one of the best days of my life that a teacher actually came and rescued me and kept this bully <laughs> from ending my life. That's how I felt. Mm -hmm. So at 23, I became a Christian and I told the Lord, I was just tired. I was tired of being hurt. I was tired of people talking across me. I was tired of being bullied. I was tired of always holding my head down, afraid to walk past a group of people because of what they may say. I was tired and I was like, Lord, please give me my voice back. I want to talk again. And God mm -hmm. did just that. He gave me my voice back, but <laughs> you have to be careful. Yes, you have to be careful when you pray sometimes because I went from not talking to cussing people out. My oh. mouth became a weapon. I was going to get you before you got me. And all of that was out of all those years of being hurt, of people misabusing me, you know, I had all that inside of me and it came out in a negative way. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens when you go through trauma or when you go through stuff for so long, it becomes a part of you. Mm -hmm. And one day I was at a game and God allowed me to hear who I had become. I heard myself talking. I was at a football game and I overheard 
my mouth, the things that were coming out of my mouth. And I realized that I had become the same people who had mistreated me, who joked me, who talked about me, who were bullying me. I had become one of them out of hurt. Mm -hmm. So I went back on my knees again and I was like, Lord, I cannot live like that. I'm supposed to be a child of God. I am not supposed to be hurting people. I'm not supposed to be a bully. I'm not supposed to be that. Mm -hmm. And thank God he answered that second prayer. Now, I am not 100. I'm a good 65, 70. You know, I'm in a better place now than I was. So that means that I am not not talking and I'm not cussing people out. However, mm -hmm. you catch me on a bad day. We are all human. Everybody's human. <laughs> I wouldn't want to catch you on a bad day. <laughs> no, but I'm a lot better. No, I'm a lot better. Even uh, when I do have a bad day, I don't cuss people out anymore. I try mm -hmm. very hard to use my words for good and kindness. I watch my tone. And even if I feel like I'm getting there, I'll get quiet and then I'll come back. So I've mm -hmm. taught myself things to do to keep me from being the cusser outer. But I also taught myself things to not to go back into hiding and not talking. Mm, yeah, it's good. I, I mean, what was the worst thing that happened to you in your quiet time when you, you didn't have your voice? What, what was the worst thing that you could, among those that you have mentioned, what was the worst of them that you can, you focus back, you look back and see now this was the worst thing that came out of that? Well, to making the decision to stop talking. Mm -hmm. That was, to that me, was that bad. was the worst thing that I could have ever done mm -hmm. because when you don't talk, people treat you accordingly. Mm -hmm. So if I were to try to open my mouth, they would talk across me and they made me feel like what I had to say was important. And it mm -hmm. wasn't important because it wasn't important to me because I always had my head down because I, I always talk very low. You know, I didn't, when you have confidence, like the person that I am now, I'm mm -hmm. going to talk whether you like it or not. I don't care. What I mm -hmm. have to say is important. I live by that. But that other little girl, that other person, she would be sitting here quiet and her head would have been down. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't look people in the eye. I mm -hmm. wouldn't look people in the eye. I was always afraid and scared. Mm -hmm. You know, I was afraid. Oh, my God, they're not going to like me. They're going to hate me. You know, they're going to mistreat me. So I would hold my head down and always just not. I don't want to say anything because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to make anybody mad. I don't want anybody to hate me. Mm. Not now. I don't really care. I love everybody and I like everybody, but it's <laughs> but if you don't like me, it's okay. I'm not yeah. made for everybody. Everybody mm -hmm. is not made for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've met with people who will always be quiet, whether whatever is going on around them, they will never voice it out. I mean, they will never say what they are feeling or what they are experiencing uh, from the challenges that they are facing on a daily basis. And I believe, as you're saying, it's important to let that voice out. I mean, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you're experiencing. Let us know what emotion you're feeling in order that we may know how to uh, keep going and keep interacting with you. But we have some people who are just there. Yeah, but it's so important. You should never lose your voice. I mm. think a lot, oftentimes it's more of women who lead, it's more women who lose our voices. Mm -hmm. We lose it in our jobs. 
Sometimes we lose it with our family, with our husbands. You know, things happen to us and we get it in our minds. You know what? Just to keep the peace, I'm going to just stop talking. You mm. should never do that. You should always use your voice. God gave us a voice. He gave us words. And those words can be meant for good or evil. It depends mm. on how you. I mm. use my words for evil at one point, but God delivered me. And now I use my words for good. Mm. And the power is in your tongue. Sure. You know, it's in your attitude. It's in the way that you look. You mm -hmm. walk into a room, you are supposed to be there. You deserve to be there. And as women in corporate or, you know, working on a job, hold your head up. You walk in that room, you're supposed to be there. And I always tell myself, you know what? What I have to say is important. Even yeah. if it's not important to you, you have a right to walk away. You have a right to not listen to what I have to say. I'm the same way. If I don't want to hear what you got to say, I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to hang up the phone. I'm going to just move. And they have that right. But there are so many other people who do want to hear what you have to say. It's mm -hmm. important to them. So say it. Don't let anybody keep you from talking. Mm. Yeah. Tell us an interesting story from your childhood. Okay. Well, I told you. Well, let me tell you about the bully. So <laughs> the one that ran me into... Um, I was in high school and every day in class was a joking session. And again, I share with you, I'm fluffy. Mm -hmm. And they would always joke. And every time I was in class, I didn't open my mouth. I didn't say anything. You know, sometimes they would joke other people and I would laugh. You know, I might laugh at it, but it was always under my breath. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this particular day, um, one of the guys in class, he decided to make me the topic of the jokes. And he was joking me hard. I had my head down. My teacher, he would always give us a assignment and he would leave the class. He would always, you know, he would, he said it was too hot in the room. And so mm -hmm. he would give us the assignment and he would leave. And that would start the joking. So I would do my work. I wasn't going to get in trouble. I was going to do my work. I had my head down doing and he just kept going on and on and on. And I don't know who took over my body, but someone took over my body and he called me fat. And he said, you know, he was saying about me being fat. I turned around and looked him in the face and I told him, you know what? I might be fat, but I can lose weight. But ugly, you can't lose ugly and you are ugly. The class fell out laughing. He turned two shades red and it was hard for him because he was dark complected. Well, when the when the teacher came back in, everybody act like they was doing their home, their classwork and everything. And the bell rung for us to leave. Well, he was one of the first people out of the out of the class. So I thought to myself, I don't have to deal with him or worry about him. Listen, when I walked in that hallway, he was waiting for me. He rammed me into the locker so hard. He told me that I thought I my mouth was too smart and I thought I was all this and that. And he told me that he was going to kill me. I, he said, oh, you think you're funny? I'll show you what funny is. And he just rammed me into the locker. Luckily, the bell rung and it was the end of the day. So we had to run and catch the bus so that we can get home. Well, that went on for a few days. And my mom, she noticed that every day I came home, something was wrong with me. And she pressed me to the point where I shared with her what happened. And that's when she called the school and she threatened the principal. And the next day I went to school, I just knew I was going to die. 
because mm -hmm. I felt like he was going to hear and then he was going to just finish me off. Mm -hmm. All my teachers, all the teachers that I liked, that I loved them. I thought they was wonderful. You know, I was saying bye to my friends, you know, that I saw in the hall that were in my class, the few that I had, you know, and I went in the classroom and I was a nervous wreck. I was terrified. Mm -hmm. I sat there shaking and quaking because I knew when that bell rung that he was going to kill me because he found out that I told. Well, class went on. And this particular day, my, my teacher never left the classroom. And we thought that was odd because he always gave us an assignment and left. And so everybody's looking around like, why is the teacher still in the room? We proceeded with class, the bell rung and everybody got up and the bully, he got up and he went out first. Well, I was hanging around because I was tired, you know, of being rammed into the, the locker and I thought he was going to kill me. So mm -hmm. I waited as long as I could to leave that classroom. I got to the point where I was like, if I don't leave, I'm going to miss the bus. So I walked in the hall. I looked to the right. I looked to the left. I didn't see him. As I was proceeding down the hall, he jumped out from nowhere and his goal was to finish me off. But thank God my teacher was right there. He grabbed him before he could put his hands on me and mm. he took him away. That was one of the last times that I saw that guy. And I was so thrilled. I was so happy. Mm. Now, uh, it's interesting how stories can also cause trouble and especially joking like we witnessed uh, a few months back. <laughs> At the, yes. at the Oscars. What's your take on that? If you would, if you would, just in passing, you would mention about uh, whatever happened, the trouble that was happening on the big stages. Well, basically, I, I feel this way, word for word. He used his words, word should have been used. It never should have been word for physical abuse. Now, if somebody had to hit you and then you hit them back, that's hit for hit. But it should always be word for word. If you are in an argument with someone, word for word. But that as soon as they put their hands on you, you just change the dynamics from now, from word to word to hand to hand. And mm. when you put your hands on somebody, you need to be careful because they may put their hands back on you. And I just think that it should have been a word for word situation. Mm, it should have never escalated to something else. And that's a perspective that I have not had before. And it's good that we are hearing it from you. It's word for word, not hand yeah. for hand. That's beautiful. Exactly. Not hand for word. It should always be word for word. No matter what it is, the Oscars and life in general. If mm. you're if you're having an argument with your husband, it should never switch over to hand to word. You mm. all can have words. And if you get to the point you can't handle it, somebody needs to walk away. Mm. You know, and just get yourself together, pull your crazy stuff together, and then come back to word from word never hand it now if you in a boxing match hey hand to hand hand to hand and i i think that's why we need to be good storytellers so that uh, whatever happens we are not uh, uh, defeated or we don't find ourselves defeated by the words that are coming it's something it's a dialogue we can have a dialogue and settle on a point i mean and and, and uh, maybe work on our uh, emotions like you yes. say, uh, you, I should be careful of getting you on the wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> but when I say about, when I mean about that is mm. not that I would go back to cussing anyone out. Mm. That was when I first got my voice back. And you have to remember, it was so many years of being hurt. 
Mm-hmm. That that is that is what I you know that's what came out of me, mm-hmm. but when I got it under control, you know, even now anybody, even Jesus, if you catch him on the wrong bait, not that Jesus would cuss you out, but he might not be his tone might not be as nice as mm-hmm. it normally would be because mm-hmm. we're all human, we're not perfect, we're gonna mess up, mm. but when you do mess up. The key is, if I do come at you incorrectly, it's for me as a person to say, okay, you know what? I was snappy with him. I was smart. Or I shouldn't have cussed at him. Go back and fix it. You know what? I am so sorry I cussed at you. And not saying that I was incorrect, but the way that I did it was incorrect. Mm. So what I need to do is I need to come back around and make it right by apologizing to you and don't take it. And, you know, when I do apologize, I'm apologizing for a specific thing. Like my brother, me and my brother, we got into it one day and he has to learn how to talk to people. He hasn't mastered that yet. Mm. And uh, we were talking and I got so upset with him. I had to get off the phone. So I hung up on him. But as soon as I hung up the phone, I felt so bad because I wouldn't want anyone to hang up on me. So I called back and I apologized for hanging up on him. And that was all. I didn't apologize about anything else that had happened because he does need to learn how to talk. He did need to, you know, how to talk to people. But I apologize for the action of hanging up the phone. And that's Mm. what I mean by you go back and you make it right. You know, and I say I'll talk to you as long as you know how to talk to me. And Mm -hmm. again, go back to word for word. If I'm not cussing at you, don't cuss at me. If I'm not yelling at you, don't yell at me. Tone Mm -hmm. for tone, you know, (laughs) words for words. You're not going to cuss me out because I'm not cussing at you. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, stories could land someone into trouble. Like you gave us a story of where uh, you landed into trouble, the other boy landed into trouble. And... uh, that's not all. We also have the other side where uh, stories can uh, open an opportunity or uh, give you a breakthrough in something that you're doing. Tell us a story of that kind that you've had in your life. Okay. Well, some years ago, um, once I had my voice back and um, one morning, um, I well, prior to that, I was having all these dreams. And sometimes I would dream in colors and I would dream all these stories. I had all these stories in my head. And one morning I woke up and God said to me, he said, I want you to write it. I want you to write it. So I spent all Saturday, one Saturday, and I literally wrote this entire story. I wrote the characters. I wrote everything in that book. Literally, all I did is took time to go to the bathroom and to get something to eat. But I wrote all day. Mm-hmm. And After that, I had like four more and I have four more stories in my head. What I realized is God was giving me stories. So when I had those stories, I was like, what I'm going to do with them. So the first one is I wrote a book. So the book is written. I haven't published it yet because I believe in timing. I think all things must happen in the right timing Mm because if it's the wrong timing, it's a hot mess. So a, a few years later, I was at a conference and basically God told me that he wanted me to use my voice to help people to get their voice back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who, me? You want me to help people <laughs> to get their voice back? And he said, yes, I want you to use your stories. 
all the things that you've been through, all the trauma that you've been through, all the things that you've been through, I want you to share those stories. And then he was like, I want you to do it on a podcast. I'm like, on a podcast? I don't know anything about a podcast. And so he was like, I'm going to help you. And I did exactly what he said. I put all the stories. I wrote all the stories out all the stories that happened to me, the bullying story, the story about my dad, you know, sending me to the doctor, um, how I lost my voice, all those stories. Mm -hmm. And then a friend of mine, she um, decided that she was going to do a book of stories. And she asked me to share one. And I shared the story about me losing my voice and me getting it back. And that turned into a book. So although I lost my voice, God took me losing my voice and turned it around so that I'm able now to help people to get their voice back. Mm. That is one of the best stories when mm. somebody takes a negative and turns it to a positive. Oh yeah. And that's good. And it's good too, uh, because we know that many people have been going through challenges and especially the one that we've just come out of almost, mm -hmm. almost coming out of the pandemic. And uh, so many horrible stories uh, happened during that time. And not only that, stories are always there of things happening in people's lives. And uh, it's a gift, I would say, uh, to get a bad thing that is happening and draw a story from it and um, make it into an opportunity, make it into something that someone could consume out there and get educated or get inspired. So it's good. Yeah. So one of the things that I think you should do, and it helps you with stories because in storage, I have a journal. I always have something by my bed and I write everything in it. When you are going through something, journal it, journal mm. your feelings, everything, all your emotions and all of that. You get all of that stuff out on paper. But the key to a great story is when you come out, you go back and you write the outcome and all the feelings and the emotions that go along with it. Mm -hmm. So you can, when you're in a bad space or you're going through a whole bunch, I go through my journals and I go back and I read and I look at how I was going through this particular thing and how the outcome came. It's like mm -hmm. during the pandemic, you know, everybody was complaining and talking about, oh, it's such a horrible thing. It wasn't for me. It really wasn't for me. I was able to do a lot of writing. I was able to do a lot of learning and I was able to do all those things. And I journal everything. So when I look back on the pandemic, there are lots of stories in the pandemic that I have. I wrote how I was feeling at the time, what was going on. And then I went back. If it took a month to fix or two months or three months to fix whatever the situation was, I go back and I write, oh my God, this is what happened. You know, I was able to pay that bill and I was able to, and I did this, this, and this, and that made a whole story. So I'm able to share that story with someone. I'll tell because so many times people tell you the end of the story. No, tell me the whole thing. I want to know what you went through. I want to know because I could connect with you. If we've gone through the same thing, like somebody who's been bullied, we can connect immediately because you have a story of bullying and I have, but then I have a great outcome. And one of my stories, I had a teacher who saved my life. What happened to yours? I mean, stories really bring us together. But the key is when you're doing your story, make sure you write everything, your emotions, feelings from the beginning to the end. The outcome, even if the outcome is not the way you want it, at least you're still here and you had an outcome. Mm. 
Uh, that's good. So write it down, journal everything. And um, from those uh, things that you write down, you could get a story out of it. And uh, you mentioned about the key telling uh, the story. What's the best format of telling that story? I mean, the story, once you have a story, you say that uh, I want to know what was going on or rather to put it plainly, how do you tell the best story? What should you include here and there? How should it flow in in brief? For me, it's, I, I write my experience, mm -hmm. whatever happened. Let's say I was writing about this interview. I would write everything literally that happened. Oh my God, I didn't realize that, you know, my story would start like this. I got up this morning and I had so much anxiety in my stomach. I didn't know how the interview was going to go. You know, I'm, I'm just going through and I'm, I'm telling you all my emotions and feelings because I want to pull you in. So mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I had anxiety. My stomach was flipping. And then I go into, okay, I went ahead. I got myself together. I did some prayer because I'm a God girl. I, I prayed and, you know, I asked God to have his way and I did that. But then I'm sitting here and all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, he's using a different platform. So now I have to run around and I have literally four minutes to get lights up, get a board up, to get the microphone together because I don't keep all this stuff up. So I'm running around, literally running around trying to get everything in order. Mm -hmm. As I'm doing this, I'm sweating because <laughs> I'm fluffy. So now I have to find a fan and put the fan on. And I know, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going through all of this. And then I realized, oh my God, he might can hit a fan. So what am I going to do? I'm not going to sit here and sweat. So then let me go get a towel. So if I need to start, you know, wiping the sweat, I just told you the story of what happened to me this morning. I told mm. you my feelings. I told you my emotions, everything. And you're engaged. You're like, I want to know what happened. And that's yeah. how you do a story. It's every, literally everything that happened and the emotion attached to it. And a really good story is, I, I look at stories as this. I'm painting a visual picture for you to see through your ears. Mm -hmm. So when I'm telling you the story, you're, you're visualizing me running around, grabbing lights. You're visually me perspiration coming down my face. You're visually seeing all of this in your head. And mm -hmm. that, what, that is what makes a good story. Details, you know, your emotions. <laughs> Even when you're telling the story, the fluctuations in your voice going high and low and never flat you know even your facial expressions i use my hands all of that so if you want to be a storyteller and you want to tell a great story for and make sure that you are honest people can tell when you're lying mm. people look can tell when you make up when you make it up stuff it doesn't flow well mm -hmm. and uh not everybody is confident in telling a story i mean uh, now is what is is that is one thing talking you and me and it's another thing to imagine that is someone out there listening to us, or maybe I walk into a room and I have to give a story and uh, we have, you have some anxiety or something that we call stage fright. How do you deal with that? Um, I don't really have stage fright. I have what I, <laughs> and one of the reasons I think I don't have it so much is because every story I tell is my story, is true of what happened to me. There was a time that I told someone else's story 
And I realized why God told me to share my story because I studied the story, the, you know, the platform that I was going to be on. I was like, okay, I can do this. Um, storytelling, oftentimes you are timed. So you have to keep it to a certain amount of minutes and you need to. And, and so when you, when you're telling a story, you want to make sure you get the key points apart and uh, the the key point the key points across, and I was doing that, and I had study. I had the story down. The cameras went up, and I'm about to tell my story, and I forgot a part of the story, and it was a very key part of the story. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I said, "I'm I'm sorry, y'all. I need to start my story over. I have a right to, because right now I feel like it's a hot mess, and I'm gonna start this story all over." <laughs> <laughs> I started the story all over again and I told it it was received well. People were laughing um, because I use my humor when I get nervous or anything. My humor comes out and it comes out like a lot when I'm nervous mm -hmm. and um, it was received well. But I thought about it and I said the reason why I probably messed up, the reason why all of that was going on, because it wasn't my story. Mm. So if you're going somewhere and you have to do a speech or you have to do something find a way to find something that happened to you that's relatable to the story mm -hmm. and it'll come out because it's organic is yours it's natural it wh whatever is natural whatever is your story you can easily talk about it mm -hmm. but when you try to talk about somebody else's story or something else it's not as easy because you you can't feel what they felt you can't you that's not you Mm -hmm. So you have to make your own. So just draw from your own experiences, put that in it and intertwine whatever you're supposed to be talking about with your own personal story. Mm, okay. So one of the best uh, ways to tell a story is to tell your story, not others, other people's story. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> you've always been nervous about uh, other people's stories. Some bits you may think that uh, you've missed out. And that's good. So... Yeah. Uh, at this point, let me thank each and every person who's listening or watching to uh, uh, watching us, and those who get to listen once we are through with this episode. We are almost. And uh, at this point, I'll let you know that we are listening to Miss V, the storyteller, who has a podcast. Uh, yes. V, <laughs> story. the story just as, as the name says. So that's a podcast. I'm going to share the link uh, with all the people who are watching, even whatever it is that you're watching or listening to this, search for the link and go and listen to the stories and be a part of the stories. So uh, you say there's a book coming. Well, I have a book. It's called Living in the Key of Joy. And it's an anthology of a group of um, ladies. We all got together and we shared personal stories of how to uplift people. None mm -hmm. of the stories are sad. They are all stories of things that had happened to us and how we found joy in them. Um, mm -hmm. They're on Amazon, but you can also get them from me directly by just emailing me. And I'll make sure that I will send you a copy of the book and I'll make sure that I sign it. You know, mm -hmm. I put my little signature on it and i usually put a scripture in it you know when i send it out so if you want to get a copy just email me and i will make sure you get a copy of it. it's called living in the key of joy oh that's wonderful so we're going to share your website too what's your website 
my website is down. They had some major issues. I was trying to upgrade it. And if anybody has a website, you know what can happen. One day is up, the next day is down. Right. So <laughs> I've no. been working with them. I'm working on them. I had it was up for the longest time and they had some issues. So now you're telling us a story now. I am. <laughs> I'm telling you a story. And when you have to depend upon somebody else to help mm -hmm. you to fix the issue, mm -hmm. basically your life is in their hands. So, you know, every time I've checked back, is it up yet? No, I'm just tweaking a couple little things. I'm like, all right, you've been tweaking twicking for a long time i needed to get back up so if you would just email me it's perfect if you go to miss v the storyteller storyteller podcast on google apple spotify amazon music whatever um instagram facebook and all that just I, dm me or whatever and i'll make sure that you can get a copy that's good enough so they will do that um we are almost now done uh and I wish that you continue telling stories and continue. Another thing I wanted to ask now, because you have a book, you have a podcast, have you maybe, have you considered coaching other people on how to tell stories or making something out of it? Yes, I teach people how to tell stories. I also perform. I've performed um, in DC. I've performed in Maryland. I've done international storytelling. Um, so what I do is I help people to find their story, especially for branding. If you have a company, it's so important that you have a good story, especially on your website, because people, if a person can connect with you, a person will most likely trust you. And if you're selling something, they'll trust that product because they made a connection with you. So helping you find your stories is definitely something that I do. I want to help you find your story. Mm, so get your voice back. You, whoever is listening or watching, yes. get your voice back. Uh, reach out to Miss V, the storyteller. I avoided mentioning Valeria. Okay. Valeria. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'm good. Yes. And now we've come to uh, the end of the show. But before we go, maybe is there something that you think we missed to inform the people about storytelling? And then we'll sign off. The key um, to storytelling, like I said, is to be honest, authentic, and be yourself. Do not try to imitate anyone else. When you're telling, when you think about, well, when I was younger, I used to be a teacher and I would sit on the floor with the students and I would make up stories and all mm -hmm. the stories had something that they would learn. And I would make up all these stories, but the making up of the story, the key is it was my story. It was mm -hmm. nobody else's. Nobody else ever heard it. So when you're telling practice, you know, make up stories. When you're in a restaurant, just look at a, a couple across the table from you and make up a story about those people. I used to do that stuff all the time. I would make up stories about people all the time and you'll get in the habit of it and then it'll just come so naturally with you every time you, if you're at the light and you look over and you see this dude listening to his music i'll make up a story by him you know what his wife made him so mad he just jumped in the car and he had to just take a drive but she mm -hmm. got on his last note and then he didn't put on tupac so you know he was really mad and then i would just make up a story life is story everything we do is a story yeah life is stories so get your voice back and tell your story. Yes. So it's been an honor that you've uh, 
have been you've been with us whoever is listening or watching i would like to mention victoria Tieno, who was watching us and other people okay a few more people we have uh Jomo Rusinga, Jim Adebayo, Rabbi Karanja, Karin Anselin, Kahana. We had a group of people that were listening well, to us. Thank you guys for coming on and listening. <laughs> thank you so much. And yes. talk. Get your voice back and talk. Tell okay. them stories. Speak Tell up for yourself. Yeah. And uh, that's all for now. Uh, see you next time and keep telling those stories. Bye. Yeah.